Hello, welcome to From the Rookery Inn. We're outside Wembley. No, we're not early, are we, Mike? No, well, we could be if we stay for the next three weeks. But uh, <laughs> no, I've just come out of the Johnson's Plate Trophy final. Uh, I've seen Barnsley beat Oxford three goals to two. Mm. Good game for the neutrals. We're not going to talk, talk about this game. We're a Watford podcast, and so we'll talk about Watford, uh, which uh, we, we are a day late with the podcast, and we originally planned. My name is John. Uh, with me is Mike. Yes, we fell into bad company yesterday, didn't we? We were with the uh, Tuesday Club podcast, which uh, Arsenal podcast. A couple of members of there were out, and uh, yeah, we got home slightly later and slightly wobblier than we had originally intended. But uh, yeah, took the edge off yesterday quite nicely, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a fun way to get over what was a really bad game to watch. We'll get to that later on. Uh, also, we're gonna we were here we were here um, for prostate cancer. Uh, a lot of Watford fans uh, this week did a special walk, which we'll get to as well. Plus, well. There's a lot of criticism going on about Watford at the moment. Um, Kike, what's happened since Christmas? Uh, and I chatted to uh, uh, Ed from the In the Wolf's Math uh, blog. I chatted to him earlier this week. And uh, we'll have a chat about where Watford are and where we need to go between now and the end of the season. Uh, so a bit of a podcast on the way. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. Yesterday we went back to where Watford uh, had won not that long ago uh, in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup to beat Arsenal. Back at the Emirates, um, it was a fun day, apart from when the football started. <laughs> it was a great day, and um, I think it's is interesting how quickly you sort of take turning up at a ground like the Emirates to watch your watch your team play. How quickly you, it becomes the norm. You know, we've been some great grounds this, this season. We've had some great clubs visit us. Um, good to be back. We had a good day before, good day afterwards. The game itself, it was over after five minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, and that's the thing. Let's go sort of go back. There's, there's two areas I sort of want to talk about. One was was the goals themselves and what they sort of meant. The first goal was early, very early, and completely changed what was going to happen for the next 80 minutes. Yeah, Kai bust our game plan, absolutely. I wonder if it's the earliest goal we've conceded this season. Probably should have checked before we came on uh, and did the podcast. But I'd that's say it was, yeah, come on. I fly by the seat of my pants. <laughs> um, as long as they're your pants. Yeah, well, sometimes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, disappointing. I thought the, the initial save from Gomez was actually quite good to, to, to stop the first effort going in. But, yeah, five minutes in, you're 1-0 down at Arsenal. Having known what happened in the quarter-final, we got we got battered really for for large periods of the of the first half and managed managed to hang on in in there. It wasn't the case this time, and uh, yeah, we knew that we were going to be defensive-minded, try and keep it tight, try and hit them on the break. And as soon as you can see that early, it's going to be very very difficult. Arsenal. What did, you, what did you want from Watford after that? That I mean, let's say that that goal went in, the second goal went in, and that was a very much, you know, a lovely thing to watch in terms of football and the way they scored that yeah, goal it lovely. no no, no what for fan it was awful but as you know you could see Arsenal being the Arsenal and you're thinking hang on why didn't you do that yeah. A in the first game at Vicarage Road it took you 60 minutes to do yeah, that yeah. and B in the quarter final of the FA Cup well the, 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 the frustrating thing from my point of view is we're obviously not going to match Arsenal for talent the way they pop it around is good their movement their understanding experience they've got a lot more um, experience of playing as a team we're never going to match them but what we can do is ask some basic questions of them they should be nervous they played poorly at home for the most part of 2016 their form has been very very patchy we know what the crowd's like at Arsenal it can be very very quiet and can turn if things aren't going their way and you'd like you'd like to think that even at 2-0 down Watford can still ask some questions we saw what happened in the in the Johnson's paint game here it was 3-1 it looked like game over Oxford hit back 3-2 and the whole thing's fizz, fizzing and popping again and I thought at half time we're still just about in this despite despite what I'd seen in the in the first half well the first half in terms of what you'd seen yes there were goals you'd seen those goals um, the third goal came really quickly to the point where we hadn't actually got back to our seats after speaking to, uh, to Francis um, 
and it was a deflection and it was like it was the third it was the nail in the coffin almost yeah. um, but there were did it feel like there were 11 Watford players really playing on that pitch I don't think it felt like there was a, a team out there that believed they could get anything from the game at any stage after that five, after the five minutes and that's that's really disappointing um, you know you can play with verve and you can play with tempo and you can play with wholeheartedness and I'm not suggesting that there was no effort there but mm. it just didn't feel like anyone believed like, like you say where they believed they were going to get anything out of it and just raise it a couple of notches you know crank it up just fizz around a bit more and Harry keep keep working keep and they just, they just wasn't there, and like I say, we're never going to match them for for talent at this stage. A couple stage. of years time, we'll uh, who knows. But um, yeah, it just didn't. It just felt so flat, and yeah. it, the crowd had the you know we couldn't even be bothered to take the mick out of the Arsenal fans about going to Wembley after after an hour, and it just felt like everyone had the sort of enthusiasm and vim and vigour sort of hoovered out of them. It was really uh, other uh, other devices are available. <laughs> I could do with a Dyson if you're listening, Mr. Dyson, um, and it just yeah the whole thing just dribbled away didn't it yeah. and I don't really think there's any excuse for that You, ha when we go behind you have to, we have to try something and I think he took Kapu off um, and he took Igalo off and I think on the on the plus side I thought Amrabat looked excellent when he came on he looked very busy at least he sort of put himself around a bit and he, he is different to Igalo um, but I, I enjoyed watching him play. He, he, he makes life difficult for, for, for defenders, which is, the, is what we wanted. That's the very least we can ask on a, on a day like yesterday. Make it difficult for him. And, and too many too many didn't. Um, and the other frustration for me was, was Akechi when he came on. He's so... I, he's got something. I know he has. And we've seen it seen it for Germany. I've uh, seen it for Scotland, but particularly against Germany. I know one one spring doesn't make a... One, was it one cuckoo doesn't make a summer or whatever it is? <laughs> um, and one goal doesn't make him a great... An, an international standard player. But I think against Germany, he felt there was no one up there with him. So he thought, right, I'm going to pin my luggers back and I'm going to go and beat the best goalkeeper in the world. And Unle what did he do? Unleash Anya. He went and did it. And yesterday, there was a couple of times where someone played... I can't remember who it was. who played a wonderful cross-field pass. Yeah. And Akechi was galloping onto it on the left, and I thought, right, get yourself onto the ball, into the box, and just do something. Get those feet moving and ask a question of the, the Arsenal. You might get a penalty, you might put a, a deflection, might go here, there. But it didn't. He sort of got it, and he, fair enough, he took the ball down, he was under control, but he took, he went back. He didn't freeze, he sort of stopped the game, wanting to cross it and to cut yeah. it in, rather than go 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 but the ball was they literally fell onto his feet take it on Akechi and do something with it and then there was another chance there where the, the ball arrived on the back post and he had a header and he decided to put it back a, back across instead of going for goal it might have been technically the right decision but I'd have loved to see him just throw that little head of his at it and, and give the goalie um, a, 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 a save to make and it just didn't happen and I'm not blaming Akechi and I'm not blaming any, anyone but it was just indicative of the of what was a very sort of flattened not ponderous, but sort of tentative, really tentative, and we don't have to be, you know. We're especially at three 0 down, yeah. um, especially at this stage in the season where things are, have been going okay. We can, we can, we can go for it. You're, you're good players. You play. You're on the pitch, so we know that means Kike Sanchez Flores trusts in you, because people he doesn't aren't getting anywhere near the squad. You've earned it. You've earned the chance. Use it. And I think there's too many people who aren't aren't, aren't necessarily making the most of their opportunities. Uh, there's still a few games of the season left to go. Again, I think we said this in another podcast. Once we are definitely safe, it, we want to sort of see a little bit more freedom. We want to sort of see these players who are going to be around next year yeah. get some more game time to develop them. 
Um, it's different from back in the day when we used to develop the young players and there were 17 going on as their first team. But these are younger players, but they do need to get their chances. We need um, some points. We need some wins as well for the supporters. Because it isn't, you know, the two wins since Liverpool. It, seems, it almost seems like last season when we beat Liverpool at home. And we do need to, to inject a bit more sort of fire back into our bellies because the, the, um, the crowd was a bit flat at Arsenal. The crowd had the atmosphere hasn't been amazing and I understand that. Hi, I'm Ketchi and you're listening to From the Korean. A couple of weeks ago, we were trying to figure out uh, something bad about Watford, something to moan about, and we weren't doing particularly well at it. We were moaning about the Premier League, but not necessarily moaning about Watford, were we, Mike? We weren't, no. We found it very difficult to uh, to pick the negatives, but someone who's managed to do that is uh, the writer of In the Wolf's Mouth, friend of the podcast. He's written an excellent piece on basically what he feels is, I think he's got a few little niggles and... I don't think he feels that the, the season is going quite as he hoped or quite as it should, maybe. Um, he's written an excellent post. I'd urge you to read it if you haven't already. But we have, and we spoke to him about it. Yeah, I spoke to Ed uh, about uh, where it came from. And the good thing was, after that Stoke game, Mike, there was quite a, a reaction to uh, one statistic uh, in particular about how it's only nine points um, since this, this year and it's been such a long time we've lost that winning feeling oh that, yeah it has been a while yeah, yeah and, and, and there was a lot of reaction really directly after that Stoke game uh, but, but Ed put this post together that sort of talked about stuff had been building within him for a while and, and the blog post sort of sets it out so I uh, gave him a call this week uh, and we had a chat about where this blog post had come from I like to think this isn't a knee jerk thing you know we've been on a fairly poor on a form since Christmas and there hasn't seemed to be any criticism rational or irrational of Kike and the way we're playing and what I wanted to do is not you know I'm not saying Kike out I'm not saying we should look elsewhere what I'm saying is that we do need to ask some questions occasionally. We did a podcast where we were trying to find something that was wrong with Watford right being the year things are going great really well we lost a few, but nothing dramatic, nothing really bad. But it's still sort of gone on. Your post came out after the Stoke game, and after that game came a huge number of people going after the nine points since January fact, being obsessed with it, and that being the definition of our season. What I liked about your post was how you did look at it that way, but you actually looked at it longer term, about the future and going forward. Well, you know, we're, we are in the Premier League, and... People who defend how things are going will say, you know, you would have taken this at the beginning of the season. And the whole point is, is not that things aren't, there's nothing going drastically wrong. Points are hard to come by in Premier League. But as the Potsos have shown, they like to look forward and, you know, they don't dwell on the past. And looking forward, are we making progress? Are there the signs that, you know, Kike says that next year we're going to kick on and now we can, once we're safe, we can take the handbrake off? Are there signs that that's actually going to happen and that we can kick on? We're we're safe, we're kind of safe, but the further we go down, every place, every position is another million pounds lost. Every position we go down, and if we just skirting around for relegation at the end of the year, is that going to attract all these players that Kike says that he can attract and people say Kike can attract? That's the question. You call it squeaky bum time, and you sort of go on about is he doing a job, good enough job for the future? And you do sort of say about that thing, about attracting some players. He did attract those players. If you were him, though, where would you do things differently? You know, we've got the resources and the squad to be doing better. Um, I think one of the reasons for, for our falling off in the second half of the season is that everyone's knackered, pretty much. Um, and 
I I personally think he hasn't used the squad enough. You know, you've got the likes of Ibarbo, Diamante, uh, Burkhaus Solari, and that lot who've come in as big names and haven't been given anything of a chance to sort of to play and force himself into the team. So there's a feeling that he Kike has these sort of 13 or 14 players that he trusts and will only use them. You know, he uses Guedior if he really has to, and then Guedior is good, and then doesn't use him again. Abdi and Anya, that sort of on the bubble, I feel that he's very reluctant to play them. And that's fine when you're, you know, you're flying like we were in November at the beginning of December, and when your first 11 is, you know, knocking them in for fun, and Dini and Igalo are doing fantastic. But when it falls off, you do have to think, and, you know, 2020 hindsight vision, you do have to think, could we have incorporated Diamante's got great pedigree, he's a good player, and we weren't able to bring him in and sort of get him get him in. So I think that's that's where he's really failed. Not failed, but, you know, where he could have done better. The way we're playing is a different way to how he originally anticipated us playing, because when you saw, when, you know, Vidra was bounced out, and mainly because Reading offered a ridiculous amount of money for him, two and a half million, and then 12 million as they went up. But Vidra, you know, was playing out on the wing in pre-season and he was saying, you know, he's not adapting to the way we want to play. And if you look at it now, Vidra would be, if not a perfect player to come off the bench and be quick, Igolo type player, then he'd be well suited to it. I don't know how much he had to do with the recruitment of the certain players other than Gerardo, but I think we sort of, that good run of form sort of, got us into a shape that he might not have been particularly comfortable with us playing and we've had to stick with it. We're going to have 25 in our squad. Do you not think that limits what Kike can do and who he can bring in? There are foreign players who are making up the quota that haven't actually played much. You know, you have Paredes and Guadiora and before Ibarbo and Diamante. At the beginning of the season, and you know, we were thinking, is Abdi going to make it? Are, are these players that we love going to make the squad? Because it is tough and... Looking forward then, there were lots of good players that you thought were, were really um, fighting for those few spaces. But I think the, at the end of the day, the squad we've got is good enough to be doing better. And you can say that they're not the likes. They don't fit how he wants to play. But if he is a great coach, and I'm not saying he's not a great coach. He is in a poor run of form as players go in a poor run of form. But if he is a great coach, then he should be able to adapt to that. For you, from now on, what is going to be a great season for Watford? To be honest, personally, I'm going into league games thinking, well, you know, it'll be it'd be nice to get something out. There's there's not now that we've got to the FA Cup semi final, the league has sort of really gone down the priorities list, and our success would be for that not to happen. For us to show just to show something different, really, obviously winning the FA Cup is now the priority and pushing on from the Arsenal result and where which was the first time that we've really you know taken a game against a big club and really held our own for 90 minutes uh, you know got here at the end but you can say that we deserved our win and sort of taking that belief and drive because that was something that was lacking in the previous matches and against Stoke taking that forward and just getting that sort of vibe going again really would be successful I think Mike we've always seen you as the negative person here yep. from the rookery end love it um, he's sort of beaten you at the moment he certainly has yeah he's, uh, he's taken my crown uh, quite comfortably I think 
And I, I must start by saying I understand exactly where he comes from, and I, I understand a lot of fans' um, criticisms. And I think negativity is still a bit strong. I think it's a it's constructive criticism, isn't it? That I think we're hearing from, from most Watford supporters. The Stoke game was wasn't great. A lot of the Watford players have come out afterwards and said as much. Troy Deeney, in particular, said it was a bit of an abomination. So I understand where he's coming from, but I do feel I still feel a little bit uncomfortable being that critical. For a number of reasons, the overarching one is that I think we're judging after what three, four months, when actually we should be judging in the round after three, three years. For three years in the future, or because it, the three years of the Pozzos and three, three to four seasons we've had with them. What do you mean? Because we've, we've, we've been in the Premier League for the, for the blink of an eye, and if we hope, if what hap, what we hope is going to happen happens, it's not going to happen in in three, four, five months, not a season, probably not two seasons. Hopefully, we will be seeing the benefits in three, four, five seasons' time. So I think we mustn't, absolutely mustn't, take our eyes off that bigger picture of where this 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 thing is moving. And all right, it might be the, the stone might be moving a little bit slower. The boulder coming down the hill might be a little bit slower. We haven't got the momentum that we had, you know, after the Liverpool game. We're all singing, we're all going on European tour. We thought we thought we might crack it. So yeah, I understand things have slowed down, but I do think. We need to look at the bigger picture. That says... No, we ha- yeah, we do have to. I think we have to have two hands. One that looks for the long term, and that's the one that keeps us sane yeah. when things don't go right. Yeah. But we have to do the other hand, that is, what is the here and now? Because the here and now, if things are wrong, do need sorting. They do need to, to be moved on. Yeah. So actually, the other hand, that is the future, goes better. Yeah, there's no, there's no point not being able to say, well, that was a rubbish performance if it was a rubbish performance. I absolutely agree with that. Stoke wasn't great. We spoke to a couple of Arsenal supporters after, after the Watford-Arsenal game. They said, you didn't do anything. You were in neutral. You played no part in the game. And you don't really want that to be... You don't want that to be levelled at your club. You want to be taking part in competitive matches, whether it's the Premier League, whether it's we've seen the Johnson's Patriot, whatever it is, you want to see your club being competitive. Um, there isn't really an excuse for not um, not going hell for leather in, in every game. People think talking about maybe whether the people are worried about the semi-final. Goodness gracious me, it's three weeks away. Should be furthest furthest from our mind. A couple of points. Let's pick up a few points. One, he sort of said about our players being given a chance. I think. My opinion, and it is only my opinion, is that these players get a chance every single day in training to prove to Kike that they're worthy of a place either in the squad or the starting eleven. I think um, Ed mentions Burkhouse um, in particular, who's been a funny one, and we'd, he's the first to admit that the way Watford play hasn't suited his style. But I just think these players have got to force their way in. It's no point sort of sort of skulking around and kicking your heels and saying, "Well, why aren't I in the team?" And it's, and I think it's. I can understand why supporters want to see a change because the answer is always when things are going wrong the answer is always whatever's not on the pitch by default and I kind of get that but surely these players are having the chance to to turn Kike's head and and, and get themselves noticed in training every single day because my thing about it is it it felt like this you know why did we get rid of Vidra we got rid of Vidra because he wasn't the right player and as Ed said he our squad I think has been developed for what was plan A. We keep going about these plans. The original the original plan A at the beginning of the year, which was by four, three, two, one. And that's why the players were there and the Burkhouses were were probably never going to be starters this year. They were going to be part of that squad. But we're not playing the system I think he originally set out to play. And now I think he's stuck with a squad that isn't as adaptable as we truly, truly would like. Not every transfer works out. Not every signing is... But no, but the signing isn't bad. I'm just saying 
when you it's not you, again let's not look at one signing in particular let's look no, no, let's say Burkhouse it's not about him as an individual no. it's about the several that make up a team make up a squad and that's the Watford squad of 2015-2016 and I think that's always going to be a limit for Kike at this point for what do you want to do next because we do not have attacking options no, that's agree. the the other concern is it's all about attack where isn't any attack no I, I agree that we have we don't, I don't Kike certainly doesn't feel that he's got the strength and depth to be able to change things up to change matches to go to Arsenal for example and, and pose a different threat he obviously doesn't think that so I think if he thought there was an option to bring in these other guys that aren't getting a look in you know mentioned Diamante who I guess is probably the one who I feel might have got away a little bit. We didn't really give him the opportunity, and would if he was still at the club now, would he be getting more of a chance with with Troy and um, Iggy not not firing on all cylinders? But you know, you look at Elari. Um, you know, these guys. I think I just think that if he felt, if he he obviously knows there need to be a, needs to be a change. If he felt they were appropriate, they'd be in, and they're not. And I think that tells a story. Uh, Ed talks about Vidra as well. The fact that he's not at the football club, despite we know how talented he is, his pace, everyone loves watching his goals. I still still watch that goal at Brighton. It's one of my favourite bits of football ever. <laughs> but there's a reason he's not at the football club. And I think we have to, we're right to question it. And we're right to say, Kike, are you making, getting the most out of this squad? But he hasn't got much wrong, I don't think, really. And if they were if they were going to give us that other uh, option, another dimension, they'd be in because we need him. Yeah, and, and the other thing you always, I th- always think about is if we see a problem, he probably see the same problem himself. <laughs> He's not daft. Everyone can see it. The Arsenal fans we spoke to after the game yesterday could see it as well. Um, th- th- you know, it, things hopefully can change. And, I, and I'm sure when we are finally confirmed in the Premier League for next year, um, the sooner the better, hopefully, because then actually the players, the, the, the team of recruitment can go, 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 rather than sort of wait and wait and wait and well, wait. Yes, you can go. And that, and that will come. And then you know, Premier League Watford Mark two will be very different but is Kike is Kike yeah the Pozzos do get rid of managers and if you look at what's happened since 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 January it's not great do you reckon they'll split and or change absolutely not no I think they've shown an enormous amount of faith in getting him in and getting rid of Jukanovic in the first place to bring Kike in that was they knew what they're doing that was the plan I think I don't think they're about to just chuck the towel in because we haven't won a couple of games in 2016 the target for this year was to stay in the Premier League. We're going to do that, I think, and we've got the Cup semi-final thrown in for good measure. So he's delivered. Kike has delivered. And I know people are complaining about the style of play and why is he so defensive? Why are we not going for games? Well, let's not forget that if it wasn't for that style of play, if it wasn't for the way that Kike sets teams up, we wouldn't have the points that we have already. So we've done that. He's, he's delivered that for us. So it's a, I think it's a bit rich to enjoy it at the start of the season and then to start complaining about it now. Is his job safe no one's job is safe in the in the premier league and it, it wouldn't it wouldn't take much but for me he's 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 rock solid i think he's part of the part of the plan and another point is his recruitment he hasn't really had a full run at it he didn't have uh, an an undisrupted if you like pre-season and i think there was players brought in that he didn't necessarily agree with um, Ed mentions in in, a, in the chat there that he worries that the end of the season might disrupt who we hope to bring in and people might be less inclined to come to Watford well let's not forget in January we were signing players for next season you know we've got George Jordi will tell us how, how to pronounce it but <laughs> but Penandro or, what, or whatever his name is the, the young Venezuelan yeah. my, my thing about those players that we've pre-signed let's say and a couple of that was uh, Jerome Sinclair was sort of mentioned this week in the, in the press is they're all very young players 
and yes there might be energy and hopefully they don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, can never, I can never remember the rules if they then end up taking space in the 25 man squad yeah. or not because of their age if they're foreign or not I can't well, remember this guy, let's not forget this guy is one of the most talked about players in the world you know, Absolutely, he's but, in La Liga and but, he's, but, and he's but, making an absolute but, splash. And he's signed for Watford already. And, and Takure is a decent player. Let's talk about this. No, no, you see, that's interesting. You said Takure is a decent player. Well, he's doing well in the leagues he's played in. He hasn't played in the Premier League. But if we have what is at the moment, what are we adding at the moment to Watford squad, it's all very young. And I still think there it needs a few more senior, well experienced, even more so Premier League experienced players probably are more important to me at this point than hearing an yet another young striker coming. I don't think that's in any doubt at all. We've seen that you know, Neom hasn't been able to do it throughout, throughout the course of the season. We know that um, it looks likely that Nathan Ake is going to go and it looks likely that Holobas is going to go, so we've got issues at left-back. Um, so absolutely no doubt about it that we will need to strengthen. But there is also no doubt in my mind that we will strengthen. We're not playing at it. We're not, we're not just sort of fiddling around on the fringes here. This is something that is... This is a a wholehearted, well-invested, well-planned project, but it is going to take time. And it, it was not going to happen overnight, but I don't think we can really expect more. I definitely agree that there's no... If we can't criticise coming away from a game where we played poorly against Stoke, been humped by Arsenal, it's no fun. It costs us money, it costs us time. You want to see your team give it a go. We haven't seen that. And we, every, we've got to make sure that those criticisms are, are almost in silos. Like you said at the start, the now, the, the nows, and they can be little vents and little, little sort of furious little rants or whatever. But the on the other side, you've got to be sort of on your right shoulder. It's got to be the person saying, "Go on, Mike is a Watford fan. You can't really be too grumpy at the moment, can you?" Little men on your shoulders. Yeah. Maybe it's a little girl. No, it's a little boy. No, it's just a whatever. From the rookery end. We've been uh, at Wembley today. Um, we came down uh, to collect money for prostate cancer, prostate cancer UK, didn't we, Mike? We did. Yeah, it's really good experience. Actually, we stood um, underneath the Wembley Arts for, for two and a half hours before the game, um, not rattling buckets, but just making ourselves known and, and raising a few uh, a few quid for prostate cancer. Hopefully, we weren't walking 27 miles, but uh, we'll get on to that. But great to mingle amongst football fans, and yeah, just really nice to be part of. Um, well, it's obviously a really exciting day, a cup final at Wembley. It was, uh, it was good, but yeah, really nice to do, to do our part for prostate cancer. Yeah, we did a little bit today, um, but a lot. What fans did an awful lot uh, by walking 27 miles uh, from Luton uh, to Watford uh, on Tuesday with Jeff Stelling as part of his uh, prostate cancer march. Uh, one being uh, the uh, supporter liaison officer at the club, uh, Dave Messenger, and also a uh, long-time uh, fan, Francis Lynn, uh, who we caught up with uh, at half-time yesterday at the Emirates. Um, to find out how that went for them. So here's Dave. Dave, you, you walked a very long way. How was it? I did. It was it was actually very, very enjoyable. Had a lot was of it, fun. Was it the scenic views or scenic views of, yeah, scenic views of Luton. Obviously you've been there, so you know how scenic those views are. No, it's fantastic. It was, it was a really, really good day. I have a little bit of a laugh and a joke about Luton of course, but the fact that those their their supporters that were on the walk as well as our supporters on the walk, the two groups bonded very, very quickly. There was an awful lot of chat about the classic matches in the 80s for those of us that are old enough to remember them. And there's winding Derek Payne up to try and mention the games that he played in down there. And that that camaraderie actually that, that existed on that war was one of the one of the absolute highlights of the day as it goes. Was, was there a moment where you went, there's still a long way to go? 
No, so when it rained? No, because I, I learned my lesson from my training walks and what I did is I didn't look at the mile counter as we were going along. So I didn't know that we were at mile 22, 23, 24. And the, la the last training walk I did, I walked from my home in Bushy into central London. Doing that walk, my feet at the end of that were absolutely in pieces. And just getting that sort of knowledge of how, that, how bad that felt. When we were walking last week, I was able to use that to my advantage. But by not looking at the miles as they went by, it was actually quite a pleasant surprise. Was, oh yeah, we're walking down, we're walking from Radley, we're walking through Bushy, we're walking through down Greffham Road and Water Lane. It was, it was actually really, really good. But Water Lane, I must say, lived up to its name perfectly with the <laughs> torrential downpour that hit us as we were coming up that hill. Anybody knows that hill will know. It's not the easiest hill to walk up at the best of times. When it's actually mile 27 of your 27 mile walk, it's difficult. And when the rain is sheeting into your face, it's even more difficult. But you raised a lot of money. How much you raised in the end? Um, I think the um, the grand total now for Jeff's march altogether is way over three hundred thousand pounds, which is fantastic. And I think what's great about the march is it's not just about the money that's been raised; it's about awareness. And it actually started off as an awareness piece rather than a raising money piece. And when you see some of the stories that people were telling as they were walking, where they've got personal involvement, where they've got family and friends that they've lost to prostate cancer. And better still, people coming up and saying, what's all this about then? Oh, it's a prostate cancer march. Oh, what's prostate cancer? Tell them a little bit about it. One guy that we spoke to on the street, or I didn't speak to him, someone else, one of the other guys did, but one of the guys that they spoke to sort of said, oh, I better go and book a checkup then. And if he went and booked a checkup, yeah, massive, and he then, yeah, it's huge, it's huge. If he went and booked a checkup and found out everything's okay, brilliant. Or if he found out he's got a problem, even better, because they can do something about it. So it was that awareness piece as much as the, as much as the raising money, but fantastic thing to be involved in and it's, it's a charity that's very close it works very closely with football has done for a number of years they're a big charity partner for the football league so the football league teams the championship teams still have the, uh, the prostate cancer logo on the numbers on the back of the kit so very very good to be involved in something like that uh, well um here's a bit of information uh jeff selling will do the big walk and he gave uh you know exactly what prostate cancer is all about and uh, what the uh, the, the charity is doing what I'm about to say might shock you. 10,000 men die from prostate cancer every year. Fathers, brothers, husbands, sons, friends, people you know. That's why I'm doing my Men United March, walking 10 marathons in 10 days from my beloved Hartlepool to Wembley Stadium. Text Jeff to 70004 to donate three pounds and help give prostate cancer a real beating. Francis, they reckoned the walk was easy. I think everybody kept everybody else going, to be honest. I mean, I'd, I'd done a bit of training, so... Um, how, much, how much, reckon? I'd, um, I'd done two 15-mile walks and a 20-mile walk, so it wasn't totally over the top, but I, I did worry that that extra seven miles might finish me off. But we got to a point, and um, one of my companions said, oh, we've done 21, you thought, Oh, and I still feel okay. I can still walk. And then we saw, we as we came sort of um, through London Colney, we saw the sign on the M25 that said uh, eight miles to Watford. And you're like, oh, it's only eight miles. Oh, that'll be a doddle. That'll be fine. That's got to be the, the key. Has got to be to not look at the, how far you've walked. Yeah. yeah, every mile, every mile, every mile. Yeah. Starting off as you did at Luton, 
was there a danger of setting off too fast? Just so you can put them in your, in your rear view headlights. Uh, there was a bit of that, especially when Mick Harford turned up. <laughs> it was at that point I wanted to sprint, but there was a hill out of the ground, and I thought, you know, maybe pace yourself, Fran. You know, don't overdo it. Watching the video and, and reading everyone's tweets on the day, it felt like a day where rivalry was put aside and the and the real essence of football came out is that is that fair absolutely you know there was a lot of banter on the way we went we went through um there was one point where we went down this hill and basically there was this lake across the road in front of us and as i looked around me i knew we had this narrow muddy path and i went luton 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 oh dear oh dear but, you know, so they all laughed about pushing me in, but they were all gentlemen and let me go. And everybody helped everybody else. And it was actually lovely. So I made sure that I had a, a hug with the Luton CEO and a photo with him. You know, had to be done. Had to be done. You got to walk with some ex-Watford players. Now, the, the question is, you know, did they, did they, were they uh, keeping up with them being uh, professional athletes or were they a bit more moany or were they, were they fine? Well, as we came towards Watford, Paul Merson had his phone out going, it's quicker that way. So, you know, it was actually quite surprising that some of the athletes were like, hang on a minute, I've done enough at this point. I mean, Malky didn't like going up hills anyway. So, when, you know, when we got to uh, Vicarage Road, he was looking a little bit puffed. But everybody mucked in together. I mean, all the footballers were actually really friendly and really chatty. And everybody, you just um, find yourself alongside... Paul Merson or Tony Cotty, Malky Mackay, Luther, just start nattering to them the same as you would anybody else. So it was actually lovely. Not Paul Walsh, though. <laughs> I, I drew the line there. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! Yeah, we're going to Wembley. Wembley! Wembley! It was, uh, it was fun here doing the, 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 the collecting the money. Um, uh, in terms of what we learnt being inside the stadium, we were like in the, fairly in the middle, on the lower tier, and we had one side of us, Barnsley. Hang on, and let's one... not beat around the bush. We were in the posh seats, mate. Yeah, yeah, they were really comfy. Yeah, we were right on the halfway line, uh, loving it, yeah. Barnsley to our, our right, Oxford to our left. Yep. Definitely yellow, definitely red, yep. two ends. Uh, felt grey, and actually both sets of fans, and this is what I'm thinking, what we can learn from it, is uh-huh. what for fans when we come back, were, were great. Yeah, I think sitting where we were sat, and you you really do get the atmosphere down there, and and the the sense that the the, the sound really does sort of billow around that that bowl. And once once both sets of supporters got going, Oxford I thought were absolutely fantastic. There's massive. There's thirty three thousand I think, so not too dissimilar to what Watford will be bringing for the the semi final. And the noise we were there as neutrals that haven't really got any affiliation to either side, but you get goosebumps. You just hear the noise cascading down, and we were right pretty much pit side so you know how the players must feel hearing that as well so yeah it's just great it just had a real sense of occasion and a real just it was just noisy it was atmospheric and um, I think we must make sure that I know we I know we won't but we'll make sure that the semi-final the rights and wrongs whatever it being at Wembley it just doesn't pass us by and we everyone makes an effort to sing their heart out enjoy the day and just just really raw Watford on to, to victory because this is what an opportunity this is for Watford Football Club what an opportunity it is for us as supporters we've got to show you know basically stick two fingers up at Palace they still think they're going to outsing us they still think they're the, the, the boys about town with their little uh, ultras group well you know things have changed actually haven't they 
and Watford are a club on the up the supporters are, are a group on the up the 1881 doing an absolutely superb job it's been really really great to see how many Watford supporters have been keen to, to get online not because they're worried about getting a ticket but they wanted to be sitting with the 1881 they wanted to contribute to the atmosphere and that is that's great and we felt it today exactly what, what that atmosphere can be like no excuses this time round it can make a hell of a din in there you know who you're supporting you know the songs Let's let's just uh, just do, do it. It was it but was. There, there were those important moments. Oxford went went ahead in the first half. Uh, Barnsley came back, came back again, and when they went two one up, and Barnsley like are going crazy because that feeling you get as a fan from being behind and then getting one back and then getting another back, you yeah. want a massive high. There was a section of the Oxford went right. No, we are going still. Yeah. And then that sort of spread a little bit. Yeah. There's those moments watching games of football where no matter what is happening you still have to show that support. And even though there's certain feelings, you have to just show that support. And that's that. there could be easy a, few, a moment or two of those at Wembley in a few weeks' time. But it's still a few weeks' time yep. away. Yep. Uh, next week, uh, we're broadcasting at the Everton home game, uh, and we're going to be chatting about who should be the player of the season. Um, it's going to be quite an interesting chat, I think. I don't think it's as obvious as we think, but we'll see. Plenty to talk about, as ever. Yes. Uh, thank you very much for listening. And remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Watford Podcast find us on Facebook uh, facebook.com forward slash Watford Podcast or www.myspace forward slash <laughs> now that's one thing we never thought about Myspace uh, from the rickerend.com uh, remember if you are listening on iTunes then whack that subscribe button so you get these sent to you straight away three weeks to Wembley plenty to get on with yeah come on enjoy it let's go a podcast made by Watford fans fans for Watford fans from the rookery end